New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Phil Cousineau. Today I'm hosting Dr. Stuart Brown. He is a medical doctor, psychiatrist, clinical researcher, and the author of Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul. Welcome, Dr. Brown, to New Dimensions Cafe. Great to be here with you, Phil. Thank you. We both love cafes. Cafes are the the meeting places, the crossroads for great conversations. And it seems that one of the deep concerns in our cultural conversation right now is serial violence. What can your study of play do to help us understand these massive outbreaks of violence, mostly among our youth? Well, I don't know that I'm an expert on massive numbers, but the detailed studies that I've done of individual homicidal males, beginning with the mass murder, Charles Whitman, who was on the Texas Tower, killed 14 people, and extending through uh, a number of homicidal individuals that were incarcerated in Texas. And then, then by, uh, uh, without direct observation, by communication with some of the more recent campus shooters and grievance killers, one common theme that is there, regardless of whether the individual who is homicidal is antisocial, psychotic, angry, aggressive, has been the history of play deprivation that has been severe. And the play deprivation usually begins very early. And if you were to go, for example, to the Virginia Tech young man who perpetrated that horror there, uh, humiliation, powerlessness, and a sense of playlessness dogged his tracks through his entire life. And that profile is a common one. And if you go beyond just uh, the horrors of homicide and you begin to look at uh, antisocial aggression as a phenomenon, the individual who develops empathy through rough-and-tumble play, through teasing, through mean girls being excluded, Uh, and getting back into sync with your social group, all of these nuances that are part of the play experience that's healthy and necessary are missing in those who who have uh, outpourings of horrendous violence. And I don't think the linkages have been made clearly enough so that, for example, a preschool teacher could identify a play-deprived young preschool child and begin to intervene at that era and in, the, in that process, from my standpoint, uh, probably do a great service in preventive strategies. So there is this uh, whole area of play that deals with conflict resolution and with the ability to deal with one another cooperatively. And without being too uh, partisan, I would say that the uh, Congress could certainly uh, participate in more playful activities And there really is evidence from a number of solutions that have occurred between warring parties where the dialogue that took place after a playful meal 
or after a period of joke-telling, allowed resolution to take place. Reykjavik, for example, Reagan and Gorbachev, anti-missile. George Mitchell, the IRA, and the UK. So there are numbers of examples that may not fit research criteria, but which makes sense to me that the infusion of play and the lessening of conflict and aggression, particularly destructive aggression, go together. Does the recent attention to the bullying phenomena give you any hope? Well, I think if you look at the natural history of mixed-age play, where kids are mixed together and, and aren't over-supervised by adults, the young bully is generally taken care of by the older kids so that the interdiction of progressive worse bullying is stopped by the kids. And the kids who enter a play situation through isolation and a lack of understanding of the nuances of play often do become more and more bullies because it's the only way they can gain empowerment. And it's often cruel and sadistic empowerment, but it, uh, it perpetrates itself in progressive bullying. So play as an antidote to bullying requires uh, understanding on the part of parents and teachers and others, but it, it works. Is this what you mean by the transformative power of it's play? One of the many transformative powers of play. Uh, play can transform aggression into cooperation, and play can transform depression into joy. I remember coaching baseball and basketball and how often parents would come up to the kids afterwards and say, nice work. And I always thought that was unusual. The kids are playing, but it's being interpreted as work. Do we need to reinterpret much of society and the way we work into play? You know, you and I spent a lot of time with Joseph Campbell and myth. And myth used to mean a lie. And Campbell was able to transform the term into, it's what your believed truth is. So I think those parents need to understand that what you were doing wasn't work. It was play. But we need to transform the meaning of the word play so that it's not trivial. It's not something you toss off and do on a weekend. It's an inherent part of being human. It's part of our health and well-being necessity. So, uh, you know, onward and upward with it. That's where the joy is, it seems. Are we getting close to one of the most provocative lines I found in your book on play, that play can save your life. I remember the hair standing up on my head when I read that. Play can save your life. I've had lots of emails since I published the book and since the National Geographic came out with all of its animal play, indicating that the, the establishment of hope and the reshaping of a life has taken place once this epiphany that they are capable of play comes to the non-player. Your notion that play stops time's arrow is really marvelous to me. I remember this interview that Jason Robards had talking about John Gielgud saying, we need the stage, we need drama, we need play, because we need to stop time. Is that one of the great allures for us, that time seems to stop when we're really at play? Yeah, we're outside of time. I don't know that it stops, but we're outside of it. And, you know, most of us from birth to death are captured by it. 
So the fact that you can, like leaping upward, you're suddenly aware you're outside of gravity. When you're within play, it's not something you think about. But, but when you're done with it, it's like, hey, I wasn't obligated by any sense of time. I was outside of time. Is it remarkable that we have so many uses of the verb play? We play music, we play when we're acting. What does that tell you, that we use the verb so chameleon-like? We maybe need a new vocabulary. You know, there's a difference between going to a play, playing out a fish line. Uh, you know, it's not precise, and yet part of it is because I think it comes from these deep preverbal centers that we have trouble defining it. And yet it's an experience, so it's a little like love. Hard to define, great to experience, necessary. How have electronics changed the way we play? Well, I think we could walk down the street in any city and see who isn't texting and who isn't on their phone. It's, it's dramatically changed how we live our lives. Is virtual play any different than physical play? Sure, it's different. But again, I'll go back to my sense that play is a state of being. And virtual play, for some people, can put them into a state of play. Physical play can do the same thing. I happen to think physical play is a little better for your body than virtual play, but uh, play is play. Both good. How do you stay playful? Oh, how do I count the ways? Being a slightly older guy, I continue to imagine that I'm going to qualify for Wimbledon every time I play uh, Jim Philpot, my nemesis on tennis. So far, we haven't been recruited for Wimbledon, but we're waiting. That's one way. And, you know, good friendships, reading your book. You know, that this latest book, Burning the Midnight Oil, I've had fun because it's been like talking to you. And that's been play for me. That is one way that I look at the whole world of creativity, that it's a way to play, but to engage with others who are playful. Well, my friend and colleague Christian says, play is how we engage the world. It is our deepest engagement. It is the attunement with nature and the world in its highest form. And I think she's right. Then are you concerned that so many people are playing alone, like the bowling alone phenomena we heard about a few years ago versus communal play, which can bind a whole community? I think that... Temperament has a lot to do. If someone is by nature introverted and not necessarily a communal player, for them to be forced into communal play would be torture. But uh, overall, we're a social species. And when we play together, we tend to bind community ethics and other things together and cooperate, even if we have differing points of view. So if uh, you're in a church or a civic meeting or a faculty meeting and you can bring play into it, I think that that is part of what binds and allows a community to uh, exist and prosper. And I think the anthropologists have some really good data on how and why that's been a part of our heritage for a few million years. So maybe we can recommend to people that they take their vitamin P every day, vitamin play. Very good. <laughs> and, well, thank you. Thank you, Stuart. It's been a pleasure being here.
I've been speaking with Dr. Stuart Brown, author of Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul. If you'd like more information on the work of Dr. Stuart Brown, you may go to his website, nifplay.org. That's the National Institute for Play.org. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Phil Cousineau. Thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. Please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.